And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes this morning. Help us to behold wonderful things from your law. Cause us to wonder when we, met, when we consider the message of Christmas. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's try to climb into this. Sometimes I, you know, you can feel, I don't know what you're experiencing this week, but you read a passage of Scripture that you've read many, many times before, and you just kind of read it. And what's he going to say? And you don't really have a great sense of wonder about it. So let's try to climb into this. At this moment, the moment of the first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, we're told at that moment that an angel brought this message to the shepherds. That's what Isaac preached from last week. And then we're told in verse 13, suddenly, out of nowhere, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, singing to God, and saying, we have here in verse 14, but what? What was that like? I've never experienced anything like that. What did that sound like? You see, we just kind of passed over it. Suddenly, something incredible happened. It says uh, a, a multitude, a great company, some translation. Well, how many is that? Don't you, don't you wonder about that? What's a multitude of angels? How many of them? A large number. Exact number? Unknown. God knows. We don't know how many it was. So I've started trying to think through this. What did that sound like? So I thought we could do a little experiment, but I'm going to need your help. So imagine it this way. We can, get, we can start getting some ideas in our head of what this might have sounded like. Sometimes, it's, it's, sometimes you can define something by, by declaring what it's not. Okay? So, imagine this. Suddenly, a great, well, I'll say a, uh, a few hundred people 
from Brandywine Grace appeared and began singing. wonder what that would sound like. Here's where the experiment comes in. I, chose, I would prefer to do like a Christmassy song, but I, we're just going to do something really easy, okay? Suddenly, a great... Uh, a group of a few hundred people from Brandywine Grace began singing Amazing Grace. So we're going to try this. If it helps you, close your eyes. Sing as if you mean it. Okay? So if your life has really been transformed by God's grace, you can sing this out. And most of us know the words. I don't have them on the screen. I didn't even tell them we're going to do this. So this is worship leader Kenny uh, with amazing grace, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Worship leading is not that hard. That was a joke. (laughs) What did it sound like when suddenly a multitude of angels began singing on this first Christmas? I can tell you that it sounded different than what we just did. Revelation 5 tells of a vision that the Apostle John had at the gathering of all God's people in eternity. And this is what it says. John says, and the angels are singing a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people For God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then it says that John looked, and he heard something that I'm sure was unlike anything he had ever heard before the voice of angels. And this must be similar to what we hear being described by Luke at the birth of Christ. Then I looked, John says, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands. What's a myriad? This comes from the word myrias. It means tens of thousands. So John said what he heard was tens of thousands 
and tens of thousands and thousands and thousands. That's what he heard. Myriad, if you look it up in the dictionary, means innumerable. So what are we talking about here? Are we talking millions of angels? Can you close your eyes for a minute and imagine a million angels singing glory to God in the highest? And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now we're just imagining things. I want to help you get it, climb into this a little bit more. I did a little research. started researching decibels. You know what decibels are? It's how we measure sound. Just follow with me a little bit. I'm going to geek out for a second. You guys can follow with me. Human speech, 60 decibels. Niagara Falls, 100 decibels. A lightning bolt, depending on how close you are to where the thunder struck, about 120 decibels. It can be up to 160 decibels. Now you might think, 60 decibels human voice? Lightning bolt, 120? Well, every increase in 10 decibels is a tenfold increase in sound energy. It's exponential. So the difference between human speech and a lightning bolt is 10 to the sixth. Do you remember math? Six zeros, million. So a lightning bolt is one million times louder than my voice puts things in perspective. Now, a trumpet, it's interesting, a trumpet is 110 decibels, which is kind of interesting, because that's not that, doesn't seem like, like a lightning bolt would be a lot louder. It would, it would appear, or we would think. A lightning bolt's 10 times louder than a trumpet. Now check this out, because this is where it gets interesting. There's something called acoustic efficiency. So a trumpet has an acoustic efficiency of about 1%. So if you could play the trumpet and maximize its efficiency, you could get it to 130 decibels. That would be 10 times louder than a lightning bolt. All right, I'm going to start to bore you guys. But let me just mention one other thing. Have you ever heard of a stun grenade? You've seen them in movies. Flash grenades, stun grenades. What they do, they're used in combat, especially close quarter combat. They throw a stun grenade into a, a riot scene or in close quarter combat, and they're used to disorient the enemy. It's a flash of bright light and a blast of sound that will get your attention. 170 decibels. 
Remember I told you a lightning bolt is 120. That makes a stun grenade 100,000 times louder than a strike of lightning. Now, I don't have any science to back up what I'm going to say. But I have a hunch that an angel's voice can outshout a stun grenade. So I want you to imagine again that suddenly a multitude of angels with voices louder than a stun grenade are singing glory to God in the highest. There's hope for everyone. Now what's that supposed to do? What's that supposed to do in you? What's that supposed to produce? We're going to look at what it produced in the shepherds who were there and heard it and what it's supposed to produce in us. What are the intended, what is the intended effect of the angels singing? What is Christmas wanting to produce in us? And I want to just share three things with you. The first one, what does Christmas want to produce in us? An increased sense of wonder. An increased sense of wonder. Let's look at the shepherd's response again. Verse 15. When the angels went away, so they experienced this, this multitude singing, then the angels went away back into heaven. The shepherds responded. They said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph, the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And then notice it says here in verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And they were told that Mary actually treasured up these things, wondered about them in her heart. So the shepherds experienced the singing of the angels, and it had this effect upon them. It produced this increased sense of wonder. What is going on here? Curiosity, awe, amazement. And then that wonder that they were experiencing actually spilled over to other people. Other people started to experience it as well. We're going to talk about that in a minute. What the angels announced was good news, great joy for everyone. Good news, great joy, and everyone can get it. Isaac said last week, God shows that his grace is available to anyone who would receive it. But it can only be received by those who recognize they are desperately poor and in need of it. So, so the message of grace, Christmas, available to anyone, anyone can get it. 
but only received by those who see that they are desperately in need of it. What I'm saying here is that an experience of the grace of God in salvation is always preceded by a sense of wonder. Me? For me? For God so loved the world and gave his only son for me? Like I can get in on this? It's not just for everyone else. It's for me. God knows what I've done and he's made a way for me to be saved. I can receive forgiveness? This is the experience. That's the, that's the curiosity and the wonder that precedes the actual impact and effect of salvation. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced that moment in time where you would say, me, I, Lord, you love me. You, you'd save me. This is what I'm talking about when I say a sense of wonder. When's the last time you experienced a sense of wonder when you think about Jesus, when you think about your relationship with Jesus, when you think about Jesus as your savior, as your redeemer, how he's brought light into the hope of your darkness. See, the problem is we dull ourselves with the things of this world. We want wonder. We really, we're hardwired to, to experience wonder. We want it, but we go looking for it in things that are much less than what God has for us. We settle for less than the wonder of Jesus. We dull ourselves. And this happens at Christmas, right? The cookies taste so good. But then I feel so ill after I eat so many of them. And there's nothing wrong with a good Christmas cookie. They're wonderful gifts. They're terrible gods. Don't make food a god. It'll eat you. But we dull ourselves with the things of this world. We want wonder. We want to experience wonder. We want to have moments where we're encountering God and we're encountering Jesus and we're discovering something. We're, we're listening to a sermon or we're reading the Bible and we experience God in a way that draws our hearts into worship. We want that. Jesus is so incredible beyond what we could ever comprehend. Our little minds can't take in all that he is. Samuel Rutherford, I, I read this quote. It was really meaningful to me, but I read it to somebody else, and they were like, I don't get it. <laughs> so I'll read it and try to allow my love for it to give you some love. He said, I dare say angels' pens. Angels' tongues, nay, now he wrote in the 1500s, nay, as many worlds of angels as there are drops of water in all the seas and the fountains and the rivers of the earth cannot paint Jesus out to you. What he's saying is if you gathered all the angels, all those angels we just talked about, and 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 they, they wrote down 
all the glory of Jesus and you read what they wrote, it still wouldn't. It still wouldn't get and paint a full picture of who he really is. Heaven. Eternity. I think of how amazing this world is, and this world is amazing. But I, I, oh, I, I get bored. <laughs> and I see people get bored. We get bored with this world. Imagine heaven. I've had people say, you know what, heaven sounds almost hellish. To like, to exist eternally. Like, what are we going to do all day up there? That's a wrong view of eternity. You know, it's like so much time on our hands and no iPhones. What are we going to do? Without the hindrance of sin, we'll experience the wonder of God and all that he's done and all that he is, and we put, couldn't possibly get bored even for a second. Heaven will be a place of continued wonder, and what God is wanting to do for you this morning and this, at Christmas, it's to give you a glimpse of his wonder now. Now notice that it tells us how they responded. It says, when the angels went away from them and the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem, verse 16, and they went with haste. They hurried. They came in a hurry, running fast. Now, let's keep in mind, this was the middle of the night. Bethlehem's about a mile from the inn. And in response to the angels singing and the angels, what the angels said and what the angels sang, they made haste, we're told. They took off running down into that town. <laughs> that town didn't know what hit them. It was maybe midnight. There was no sense of, I don't know what just happened, man, guys, but let's go to bed, sleep this one off, and we'll get up in the morning. Go tell everyone. When you encounter the good news of God to save sinners and you see your need, what's called for is not a wait and see. What's called for is an immediate response. Make haste. Right here, right now. Today is the day of salvation. I remember I was part of a uh, uh, it was a Christian gathering, a worship service. Memory has always stuck with me. But it was an auditorium like this with no carpet. It was, a, it was a, like a hardwood auditorium floor. And it was probably five times the size of this auditorium. So it was 
1,500 people in there. And we had been singing, and someone had shared a sermon. I don't remember anything about the sermon. And they did what some churches would refer to as an altar call. You know what an altar call is? It's like they create space for people to come down and respond to the message of the gospel. And so it was one of those moments with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to invite people to respond. And so we were standing there, and I did it. I did what I was told. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're all just standing there in the quiet. And a pastor got up. And I didn't even open my eyes to to look at him. But he said this. He said, today is the day of salvation for someone in this room. And what the Lord says, what the Lord is inviting you to do is not wait and see, but to get out of your seat and don't walk. Run. That's like 1,500, 2,000 people there. And guys, I mean, it still affects me. Eye closed, head bowed. I heard the sounds, we all did, of a person from the back of that auditorium. I can still hear their feet slapping as they sprinted down that auditorium aisle, running. One of these charismatic moments. Power. And I remember, I just couldn't keep my eyes closed anymore. Every head bowed. And when a guy, when I felt like he was getting close to me, I opened my eyes real quick just to get a look at him. I just wanted to see him going by. And what I saw, I remember this guy, he looked broken to me. And he was sprinting to find Jesus. That's a metaphor for what it should look like when you experience the wonder that leads to salvation. When's the last time you felt that? That's what God wants us to experience. Listen, Christmas is a time for religious sentiment. Even the most hardened, anti-religious person in the community comes to church on Christmas Eve. But it's not enough, guys, to peek into the manger and say, how nice, what a lovely scene. It makes me feel good. It warms my heart. Here's the truth. If Christ were born a thousand times over in the manger, but never born in your heart, you'd be eternally lost. The Jesus who was born into the world that the angels were singing about must be born in your heart. 
Religious feelings at Christmas don't mean anything if they don't lead you to a response to Jesus. May the response of the shepherds always characterize our response to God. Now, I want to touch on something just by way of application. And then we're going to move quickly through the second two points. There's a passage of Scripture, and it's in Isaiah, but has the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. I've read that passage many times, and sometimes I scratch my head and say it doesn't seem like the earth is full of God's glory. The problem is not the glory of God. The problem is my inability to perceive it, my inability to see it. And one of the reasons why is because we're often looking in the wrong place. We're looking at things to, to, to entertain us or to satisfy us. And we don't experience the glory of God. The glory's there. It just needs to be activated. And I shared a little story last week just in, in worship. But you, you know you get your new debit card. I have my wallet with me. You get your new debit card or your credit card in the mail, and there's a little sticker on it, right? And on that little sticker, it says you got to call this number to activate the card. The card won't work. Like, if you go and use the card, it doesn't work. Why? Because it hasn't been activated. But the activation, the activating of it doesn't put any money in the account. The money's there. I just can't get access to it until I activate it. The angels sing that the whole earth is full of God's glory, but I don't see it. Why? Because I got an activation problem. If you want to taste wonder this Christmas in the busyness of life, make some time to quietly sit in God's presence with your Bible open and a simple prayer. Lord, would you activate a sense of wonder in my heart? The Bible is endlessly interesting because God is endlessly interesting. So what we need to ask him for is to activate a sense of wonder in our hearts. All right, let's hit the next two. What's Christmas want to produce? What's the intended effect of the angels singing? One, an increased sense of wonder. Two, an increased urge to share. And so we see this in this passage. Verse 10, the angel said, It's first to you guys, the shepherds, but it's for all people. And then in verse 17 and 18, we're told, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the, twa- the, the child. Here's the point. When something good happens to you, what do you den- generally do? You tell other people about it. That's just like the nat- that's a natural occurrence. You get good news, you text someone. You find out something that is extremely enjoyable, you share it with someone else. You find, you watch a funny TikTok and you send it to your friends. 
This is how we typically respond. Christmas opportunities abound for us to share with others what God has shared with us, but also the message of the gospel. So what does Christmas want to produce in us? An increased urge to share. And when I say share, I don't mean just knocking on the doors of your neighbor's homes and just robotically sharing with them the message of the gospel. I'm talking about an experience. You've experienced so much goodness. We've experienced so much goodness of God that there's a willingness in our lives to create space to welcome others into the good that we're enjoying. That's, that's the opportunity that's before us. Are you creating any space for others in your schedule? in your life, in your Christmas season. Some of us have, we're getting it forced upon us. We're going to spend time with some people we don't want to spend time with. It's Christmas, you got to do it. But what if we were to change? What if Christmas was to produce in our hearts an increased urge to to actually open your life up to someone else, to actually press into their life, to press into their world, to begin to share with them and perhaps even have an opportunity to share with them the hope that you found in Jesus, which is available to them as well. The shepherds were very effective in their proclamation that night. On that night in Bethlehem, they started spreading the news about Christmas, and it's reached us here in Chester County, Pennsylvania. So they were good at it. God wants to do that in us as well. May this Christmas be an opportunity. May we realize this Christmas and view it as an opportunity to to open our lives to others and to share in some of the goodness that that he's entrusted us, that he's blessed us with, that we might create space where we might share, ultimately, the hope of Jesus. What would that look like for you? How could you create some space for others? How could you invite others into your life? How, is there anyone you know who's going through a tough time that you could, you could make, you could inconvenience yourself by creating time, spend time with them? Practice hospitality, church. And then pray that God would use your time together. Pray that God would bless it. Pray for one person you know that needs Jesus and ask God to give you an opportunity to share the hope you have with them. So the question we're asking is, has Christmas increased a sense of wonder? Has it increased an urge to share? And then finally, we've been talking about this a lot, Christmas intends to produce an increased experience of joy, an increased sense of wonder, an increased urge to share, and an increased experience of joy. Verse 20, the shepherds returned. So after they went down into Bethlehem, after they spread the message, they returned, glorifying and praising God 
for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. There was this experience of joy. They went back to the hill, climbed into their tent with happy hearts. The message of Christmas ought to create joy in our hearts, true joy, satisfying joy, not a temporary happiness. That's what it did for the angels. That's what it's done for the shepherds. And the angels are singing this song and the shepherds are getting caught up in it. But it, I marvel over this, that the angels are singing about something that they're not the recipients of. Jesus became a man, not an angel. He died for humanity, not angels. Ours is the better part. We sang Amazing Grace. There's a sense in which an angel can't sing that. Angels can't be redeemed. But we can. And that ought to produce a great amount of joy in our hearts when we consider the redemption that is ours in Christ. How can we apply this? Isaac said last week, and I've been trying to do this, he said one of the things you can do is thank God for every possible thing you can this Christmas season. Here's the truth. The more you cultivate a sense of gratitude, the more your joy increases. So sometimes there's a discipline, like we're waiting around for this increase in joy, but sometimes if we discipline ourselves to actually be grateful, the joy follows. G.K. Chesterton, I love this quote. When it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you're taking things for granted or taking them with gratitude. The critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take things with gratitude. Do you know what we're guilty of? You and I are guilty of taking too many things for granted. But if we were to take those very same things with gratitude, do you know what would happen? We would start to experience an increasing sense of joy, an increasing experience of joy. One of the practices of most Christian families I know is to say grace before a meal. And bow their heads. And they pray and they say thanks. And that's good. But it is odd that we only do it at meals. <laughs> What if we started employing a practice of saying grace more regularly in our lives? What if when someone hands you a present, you said grace? What do you mean? I'm not eating. No, what if, what if you took a moment and said in your heart, God, thank you for this person that loves me. Thank you for this gift that I'm about to open. What if you said grace before Bedtime story at night with your kids. What if you said grace before you opened a bottle of wine? What if you said grace before you turned the movie on? What if you said grace before you changed another diaper? What if you said grace before you turned the Advent playlist on? What if you said grace before you drank that cup of coffee? 
What if you said grace before you went on your walk? What if you said grace before you paid your bills? What if you said grace before you got into a hot shower? What if you said grace for the friends that you're getting ready to spend time with? What if you said grace at the top of the snowboard hill? What if you said grace about the book you're about to open and read? I bet you it would have an impact on us. Stop taking things for granted. Start taking things with gratitude and watch your joy meter increase. Has Christmas produced an experience of joy? What angels long to sing and what's the intended effect? An increased sense of wonder, an increased urge to share, and an increased experience of joy. Don't you want that? Let's just quietly, we'll leave, go ahead and leave those points up for everyone. And let's just quietly in our hearts ask God to increase those things in our hearts in response to Christmas this season.